0: I'm Bobby Mason with Spock Automation. Spock Automation. Let's start off by finding out what it is uh, you do with Spock Automation.
1: Well, Spock is a acronym, actually, for sensorless pump-off control. And what we do is we are an innovation automation company in the uh, midstream and upstream market. And we primarily work around... Uh, the automation of rotating equipment. So, anywhere you have a electric motor on a pump or compressor or other rotating equipment, um, we automate those processes. We save customers a huge amount of electrical energy as well as increase production. So that's that's our specialty.
0: Automation world's gotten really uh, expanded in the last you know, decade, decade and a half. Of course, it started before then, but just with the uh, innovation behind the the size and the processors. I don't know if you're familiar with Moore's Law or not, but uh, twice the speed and uh, doubles down in size, or maybe it's double the speed and shrinks in size at double every 18 months, and we're still seeing that. So automation is getting beyond belief. So what you said, midstream and upstream, What uh, talk to me a little bit more specifically about, you know, are you involved in any of the pipelines? Are you involved just on well site? Just some of the specifics where you, where you can find your automation.
1: Actually, uh, both. Uh, we are a, uh, a big player in all of the artificial lift uh, methods that require an electric motor to operate them, um, as well as the midstream. We're, we're, we're big in the water handling, uh, saltwater disposal business. We've got over 70,000 of our units out in the field. We're kind of the best kept secret in the industry in that we also work with a lot of OEMs, uh, pump manufacturers and multinationals that service companies. And we brand label and build their uh, variable frequency drive equipment. That's That's our core that we center most of our automation around is variable frequency drives
0: world of technology, I always have to ask about the learning curve, the growing pains, the education factor when it comes to, you know, people don't like change. At the end of the day, people resist it and and they they try to figure out ways against it. And there's a lot of change going on in the world right now. So I think there's a lot more acceptance going on to something like this. But talk to me about those growing pains, about the uh, just educating people and people's acceptance as you're bringing this into the marketplace
1: well the beauty of what we do is that for over 20 years we've been we've been in this in this space and the automation has come come around to a level where i have charged all of our engineers for decades to take an iPhone approach. If you've, have you ever read the manual on your iPhone on how to turn it on or navigate or load an
0: app? No, it, uh, just, I, I use it to hold a house plant actually. G- <laughs> g- g- gives it gives a little <laughs> bit of space off the ground. Cause it's so thick. <laughs> anyway, and we take a, uh, we, well, we take a, a complex
1: piece of, of automation equipment. And then we take that iPhone approach. We put a touchscreen on it, uh, an inner, uh, Operator interface that would take that intuitive, easy—you really don't have to read the manual if you know what your processes are. We and we do, uh, and we build product for rod pumps, for ESPs, for saltwater disposals, for compressors, and all of the knowledge around those applications is then formatted to make it easy for the user, and actually. Uh, as far as intimidation, it takes the intimidation out because we take complex control and automation and we make it user-friendly. That's that's actually, even during this pandemic, uh, we came up with uh, a very innovative idea to share some of our intellectual gifts and knowledge that we've been blessed with. Um, and we started a video series. I think we've put out Thirty or thirty-five so far, where we call it a two-minute drive, and it's a it's a quick, short uh, video to teach you how you can help increase uh, uptime, increase uh, efficiencies, how to get equipment tuned correctly, all these things. Uh, our, our ideas, and then, we, of course, we've got frequently asked question videos on, on the website. So we really take a huge, huge approach of making our equipment easy, and we've got 24-7 tech support. Um, so we, we do all the things that try to take that intimidation of automation, and what we find is most operators, uh, after they get our equipment, They love it, and they see that it's a tool to assist them, not to replace them.
0: Another arrow in the uh, quiver of uses in the oil and gas industry. And I was looking at uh, your website, uh, the Spock Automation website, uh, last week before uh, the interview. And I remember seeing in your area about uh, the iPad. When you mentioned the iPad, that brought it back to where you're, doing some interfacing with the iPad, and then you mentioning the, the manuals and just kind of that whole thing. It, it brought me back to an interview I did about eight years ago with a, um, a gal who was a Comply 360. Carrie Frank was her name. And she, has, she, she had done some automation in the uh, airline industry to where they basically replaced those black boxes that uh, pilots would bring on To the airline? and Yeah, under the uh, cockpit with them. And it took her years, of course, you know, because there was back then, you know, eight, ten years ago, iPads were just starting out. And, of course, you know, bigger companies and governments and that sort of thing. They're a little bit slow going compared to small business, which is designed to be quick and nimble. And so, which, you know, you just, even though you're not small business, you just mentioned about how you guys came up with some new innovation during the pandemic, which we're going to get to in just a second. But uh, Carrie Frank, what she mentioned about the process of integrating in the iPad versus that 50-pound black box filled with paper that they had to update weekly all over the United States in these black boxes with new manuals and new pictures and new, if, if some company or some office made a new Uh, policy change, well, that had to be changed in all the different black boxes and all this other stuff. So not only did it save all the time efficiencies, but after a year, they found out that they saved gasoline, jet fuel, because that took 50 pounds off each single flight. So it's an example that there's a lot more ripple to this than even what what, what you're talking about. And that to me is why I wanted to ask you about the pandemic thing, because the neat thing about what you guys are doing and what's happening with some of this technology is, is there's, it's, it's like almost there's so many directions to go. You just got to pick one at a time and focus on it and just kind of go with that. And so anyway, I'm not sure if you understand what I'm talking about or if I'm just... Steve. No, I absolutely do. It
1: actually is a, a, a perfect segue into we have a, a, a product called Well Optics, which is a, a SCADA, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition. So we have a cloud-based software that allows us to monitor and interrogate and even control, if you so desire, all of our drive equipment, which then uh, um, allows you to speed up and slow down to track information. And all of that is available to you on any internet-connected device, with as long as you have the proper sign-in credentials. And so your your example is actually actually exactly what we can do instead of sending that pumper out every day to go to the same spot and write it all down in a in his in his log book his notebook we can collect all that information for you electronically and let's just say you had a problem on a well site if it was a problem with our equipment we can actually interrogate it remotely and give you some indication on what is wrong before you ever dispatch someone to the to the well site. So, yeah, I I, I completely understand what you're talking
0: about. It's amazing to me how the big data is really going to change oil and gas. And I was having a conversation this week with a gentleman about that, about how we're we're just really scratching the surface with a lot of this big data up in my neck of the woods where I came out of the Bakken. You know, we've been tracking that. Uh, core samples and core information since the 50s. Uh, and, and they got a library named the Laird Library that has all that information. So the thing about the Bakken was, is that everybody knew where everything was. So they just it's, it's a price play at this point, um, because all that information was there. Well, Montana and Texas and some of these other states, they have that now, but there's still a lot of geography out there that's untapped, and they're still learning things every day. So um, talk to me about how you know you, you view big data and how you see that coming into play over the next you know three, four or five, I don't know whatever tomorrow, I guess, because when I was in school back in the 90s to age myself, uh, college freshmen that were learning certain technologies, that was obsolete by the time they graduated college. They were. I mean, I remember they were teaching us Lotus when I was a freshman, and by, by the time I was a senior, nobody ever heard of Lotus. And so, well,
1: I, I won't age myself and say that I uh, actually saw punch cards.
0: I was gonna bring up. What did you got? Circle punch cards or what, man? <laughs> what what kids don't? A lot of kids don't understand is that some of the big corporate banks that that we're talking about in our life right now used to run multi-billion trillion dollar economies based on punch cards. Circular punch cards is what ran our yeah. economy. So anyway, but let's well, let's not I bore mean, let's not bore people out there with punch card talk. <laughs> data is uh,
1: a really hot buzzword, but if it's not usable data, then it's just clutter, it's noise. One of the things I'm super super excited about is actually doing the data collection at the process level, uh, because that gives you a window into your equipment. Our next generation uh, drives that we're gonna be launching uh, first quarter. I am so excited about what we've come up with and, and the things that we're gonna be able to do. A great example of that would be because of additional sensors, because we're collecting so much data, at your location. Uh, now I know the life expectancy through data and sensors of your motor, let's just say. It's a, what if you had the ability to speed up and slow down and then predict the life of that electric motor? So if I run this process at this speed with this load, I've got, let's just say, 19 months left in the life of that motor. But if I speed it up by one or one hertz or two hertz or slow it down, I adjust that and I can see that information, and then I know that I'm going to get 24 months out of that if I slow it down by one hertz. Well, what if even better, I could be proactive instead of reactive, and I could set alarms in my system that say, okay, two months out from the end, predicted end of life, order the motor and then do a scheduled maintenance on it versus, oh, everything's down now. I've got to shut in a whole field because my, my saltwater disposal prime mover is is down. And I mean, it just quit being reactive. And that's, that's one of the beauties of data that you used correctly instead of just being data if that makes sense.
0: So I want to ask you when you're sitting across the table from a geologist or a CEO or a general manager whoever the decision maker is at that particular moment in time how uh, this is I guess more for me than anything else how do you corral in some of the imaginations in the room because Big data can go a lot of different ways and the horse can get out of the barn really quick. And for somebody who wants to help or somebody who thinks that they can do too much, too little, too fast, they could say yes to almost anything with big data, big data. So uh, I guess the question is uh, management of the data. Talk to me a little bit about how, how how you guys are finding success with that.
1: Focus on the process that helps a lot. First of all, uh, we're controlling processes, whether that's pumping or compression or whatever that rotating equipment is, and so we're bringing in process data around that, you know, fuel kills, pressures, uh, safety switches, all of those type things, um, and and we can make then intelligent decisions to try to maximize all of that by using that data in that way. And we don't bring in unnecessary data. There's a lot more data we could collect. And if a customer has a need, then obviously we can accommodate. But we have a skill set that we try to deploy to help them understand what is beneficial. And then if they have other things that they... They need, for other reasons, we bring that data in and pass it on to their systems that would handle
0: that. And I have one more question I have to ask you about Spock automation. How many people out of 10 bring up Star Trek or Star Wars? Which one is Spock? Star, <laughs> Star Trek, right? Yeah, there we go. Well, we, we get it a lot,
1: and as a matter of fact, we made up shirts probably. They're some of the most popular T-shirts we give away, and they say, Pump Long and Prosper. So we embrace it, and... Uh, it, it, it is good, good name recognition. And then when we tell them it stands for actually sensorless pump-off control where we wrote some, uh, some software that resides inside of our drive to allow you to do pump-off control, they, they see the uh, connection.
0: And did anybody, uh, did, did you guys embrace that early or did you resist it at first? Uh, talk to me about the story behind that because, I mean, Spock is a very unique name and it's like Lexus, you know, you hear it and just boom, you think of something immediately. So it's a great attention getter. But at the same time, I can imagine there was some, okay, guys, we're not transporting people here. We're, we're doing other types of automation. So it's neat and clever and, and it's great you embraced it. So, you know, did you resist it at first or did you embrace it early on? actually, uh, as soon as we came up with it, we knew we had a winner.
1: (laughs) It was was something that everyone in, uh, you know, 20 years ago, even more, more predominant than today, everyone had heard that word used and it had a a positive image. And so it, it, and it was the perfect acronym for, for our product. So it, yeah, it was a, it was a hit out of the gate.
0: Okay. Well, I, I just want to make sure I, I got my notes right here. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot of, about automation and, and uh, SCADA and that sort of thing. But um, as far as, you know, business goes, I, I, did, I did pick up that you guys do software and hardware. As You do both, correct?
1: We do. Actually, the, the, the hardware, the software just outside of the well optics, all of our software creation is deployed through the drives, the variable frequency drives, which is the hardware side of the business. And that is, I won't say it's a Trojan horse, but you you know, the software won't work in other people's equipment. So it is, uh, we have software engineers. Uh, we've got a staff of nine engineers that are in there always trying to improve and, and add value and add features that customers request or dream up uh, and we deploy it in the hardware so that when it shows up it's ready to work and you don't have to have have somebody out there doing custom programming
0: how about on the service side i imagine you guys offer service or do you outsource it Uh, what happens if um, you know something goes wrong between the software and the hardware or vice versa
1: Absolutely, we do. Uh, we offer service. We also have a network of uh, partners in, the, in the, that sell hardware and service the equipment. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're, uh, we're so confident in the product and we've got so many units out in the field, we've learned so much over the decades uh, that we actually introduced as part of our, I'll say our lift up culture and, and confidence. We introduced a, a product uh, that is called Drive Shield. And Drive Shield is actually an extended warranty that is, you can get that in a three, a six, and a 10 year configuration. And it even includes lightning protection. So if my drive gets blown up by a, a lightning strike, we will replace that unit. Uh, we, we have built a bulletproof uh, product that has all of the protections that you really need because, let's face it, the oil and gas industry is usually in some of the harshest conditions uh, that, that you can apply this type of technology.
0: With a lightning guarantee. Yes, we will replace the unit. <laughs> you know, if, if you
1: buy the extended warranty, um, We we will replace the unit. Uh, and if you go with the 10 year package, uh, we'll replace it for 10 years. It also, that would, that one actually comes with, uh, monitoring equipment, health monitoring through our SCADA system. Um, all of that's included in the package and, and we've got information about all of that on our website.
0: You know, it's interesting about that and, and people might be laughing or rolling their eyes about the lightning and all that, but, I remember when I was out in uh, Dickinson, North Dakota, I had on the wildlife, game and fish, uh, the forestry people. We were talking about some weather happenings and this and that. And she showed me a map of all the lightning strikes that happened in the last 24 hours. And it was, it was triple digits. And that's just a normal day. And um, so when, when people think, uh, you know, that that that's an unusual occurrence. No, that's daily. I mean, this is, we have an active planet. There's, you know, earthquakes daily, hurricanes weekly, lightning strikes daily. This is this is the world we live in, and um, so anyway, I just thought I'd reiterate that because it's real. You know, and to the point to where, you know, it, it was kind of a little bit of a joke, but it's it's not because you actually do offer that. So, anyways, I just wanted to point that out because I didn't mean to make fun of it, but um, no, got- no I, it,
1: it is a real occurrence, and anyone who has uh, electrical equipment and electronics, which is what we deal in. Uh, you know for a fact that those things happen, whether you, whether it's a lightning strike, any surge or anomaly. So even if it's a, a utility issue, you, you had a short circuit situation at your transformer and it took out the equipment. If that is a voltage anomaly or a lightning strike, you're covered for the uh, for the unit. So it's a very, very powerful tool, and we we think it's something that customers, appreciate and, and we've been very successful with it
0: what shale plays are you guys in how many different uh, are you in all of them are you in specific ones talk to me about that
1: we are we are all in everyone in the uh in the u.s we're in canada we have product in south america we have product over in the middle east we really have product globally
0: and how can people get in touch with you guys if uh, they want to find out more information or talk about uh punch cards and lightning strikes?
1: <laughs> that is great. And uh, you can reach us at Spock Automation. That's S P O C A U T O M A T I O N. It's no dots or dashes.com, dot SpockAutomation.com. Or feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's, it's under Robert L. Mason. And i uh, be happy to answer any questions or get you in contact with with local sales or service uh, people, if you need any of those type things, and if you just have questions in general, um, I'd be happy to answer and help in any way we can. That's that's really our purpose is to is to solve problems and help people.